The more he charged them, so much the more a great deal did they publish it. And so much the more did they wonder, saying, He hath done all things well. He hath made both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. At the beginning of today's Mass, we heard this introit. God is in his holy place. God who makes men of one mind to dwell in a house. He shall give power and strength to his people. Deus in loco sancto suo. God is enthroned in his sanctuary, in his tabernacle, in the holy of holies, his church. In every Catholic church in the world, enshrined upon the altar. The sacramental presence of Christ has filled the whole world with its divine power. The light of the risen Christ, which scatters the demons, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, he scatters the enemies of God and of mankind. And he makes men of one mind to dwell together in a house. The house of the church, in Greek, the oikos, from which we derive the word economy, oikonomia. Economy in this sense means not uh, money in this kind of thing, but the wise and prudent running or administration of the palace of a king. The economy of God, or the economy of salvation, which you sometimes hear, is the eternal wisdom of God, his plan from all eternity towards his creation, and concerning his Christ, his eternal and only begotten Son. He makes men of one mind, men who believe on this Son of his, to dwell within the house of the church. It was just a day ago that I came across once again, somewhere on the internet, a very striking quote from Dom Jean Leclerc, one of the great monastic writers of our time. Dom Leclerc wrote an extremely important book, which Father Pryor has all of us read here, called The Love of Learning and the Desire for God, which beautifully explains so much about the ethos and the spirit of Benedictine life. And the quote I ran across is really about the man whom we commemorate today, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, and the 12th century monastic fathers who lived and wrote in his tradition, which at root is nothing other than the tradition, the continuation of the tradition of the fathers of the church, which is why Bernard is sometimes called the last of the fathers. The quote from Dom Leclerc is this, theirs, meaning these monastic writers of the 12th century, theirs was a religion spacious, broad, lofty, deep, and at the same time, humbly rooted in the mystery of the incarnation and in the homely economy of the sacraments. I'll repeat that last part. Humbly 
rooted in the mystery of the incarnation and in the homely economy of the sacraments. I could not find more perfect words to describe the message of today's Mass of the 11th Sunday after Pentecost. Certainly the healing recorded in today's Gospel from St. Mark is homely in that specific sense in which I think Dom Leclerc, or really his translator, chose to, to translate, meaning homely, meaning not only simple, plain, unelaborate, unadorned, lacking in elegance, but also intimate and familiar. Nothing could be simpler or plainer, more unelaborate, unadorned, frankly, let's, let's be honest, lacking in elegance, and at the same time more intimate and familiar than our Lord putting his fingers into the ears of the deaf and dumb man, spitting, touching the man's tongue with his saliva. In fact, many people might find it a little gross. But this is the homely economy of salvation, of the incarnation, which we sing about in the Te Deum. Non horuisti virginis uterum. Thou didst not abhor the virgin's womb. This one line does away with all so-called spiritualities which despise the body and the material world. If the Most High God of heaven, the creator of all, who dwells in light inaccessible, whom no man has seen, makes himself to dwell as a tiny embryo in the womb of a humble little Hebrew maid, probably no more than 12 or 13 in Roman-occupied Palestine. This is why, by the way, we also sing that Mary has destroyed all heresies in the world, because all heresies, in one way or the other, deny some aspect of the incarnation of the Son of God, a denial which, as you know from the epistle, one of the epistles, the first epistle of St. John, is Antichrist. Whoever denies that the Son of God has come in the flesh is Antichrist. Interestingly enough, when I was looking up the roots of the word homely, I found that homely has cognates in other languages, uh, meaning something very different. And uh, I ask forgiveness uh, uh, in advance from Father Joachim and from uh, uh, Brother Ignatius. <laughs> because in German, there's a word called Heimlich, homely, which means secret, or the Danish yeah, which also means secret. Sorry, I do my best. <laughs> the Benedictine life, which is simply the Catholic life, is, as Dom Jean Leclerc says, humbly rooted in the mystery of the Incarnation, which is what St. Paul calls the mystery hidden from ages and generations, 
but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ, in you the hope of glory. The word mysterion in Greek means not merely hidden, but also something uh, uh, into which a rite of initiation is necessary. The Latin word sacramentum is in Greek mysterion. You see outwardly one thing, but the reality, the divine grace contained therein, is discerned only with the eyes of faith. What could be more homely and hidden than bread and wine and water and oil? But what divine power is concealed within them? The church has her priests reenact the scene of the gospel more or less exactly in holy baptism. The priest moistens his thumb with his spittle and touches the ears and the nostrils of the child. It's the nostrils uh, because I think it would be very difficult to access the tongue of an, of an infant <laughs> who's squirming and crying and things. And he says, Epheta, that is, be opened. Dom Garoget comments on today's gospel scene. And finally, more mysteriously than the opening of the ears with his fingers, because the truth which was to be expressed is more profound, our Lord touches with the saliva of his sacred mouth that tongue which had become incapable of giving glory and praise. And wisdom, for it is she that is here mystically signified, Wisdom that cometh forth from the mouth of the Most High and flows for us from the Savior's fountains of, as a life-giving drink opens the mouth of the dumb man just as she makes eloquent the tongues of speechless infants. And so the way in which our Lord heals this deaf and dumb man, a Gentile, could not be more humble or homely and at the same time more hidden and mysterious, which is to say, it could not be more sacramental. I'd like to close uh, with a really beautiful quote on today's Sunday, a kind of synthesis uh, from a commentator who is uh, of the Anglican tradition. You might say, why are you quoting Protestants? Well, you'll see the reason why Pope Benedict created the Anglican Ordinariates precisely because of the vision that's contained in this uh, quotation, uh, which is very, very Catholic and certainly capable of being received into full communion with Catholicism. And the quote is this, the incarnation of the Son of God was the origin and the mystical presence of Christ, the continuation of a spiritual life which the world had not before known since the fall. The church of God had grown deaf. The church of God means uh, the, 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 the Jewish church. And heard not the voice from heaven as that voice had been heard of old. There was an impediment in her speech so that the word of God did not go forth from her lips in prophecy. The Son of God came down on earth and touched her by making himself one with her 
through his human nature. The sigh of his passion was followed by the ephatha of the resurrection. And as soon as his work was perfected by looking up to heaven of his ascension and session at the right hand of God, the ears of the deaf were unstopped to receive the inspiration of Pentecost and the tongue of the dumb loosed so that their sound has gone out into all lands and their words into the ends of the world. The same touch of Christ and communication of grace in the communication of that which forms part of his person is still the means by which the church as a corporate body and every individual member of it as a living member is vivified and sustained. And he who gives spiritual ability to the ministers of the New Testament, that their acts and words may be the means by which his presence is continued in the church, is making the ministration of righteousness, even in the by-places of the earth, to exceed in glory the ministration of Moses at the foot of Sinai. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.